Praise God. Now, let me just warn you in advance. I might step on your toes tonight. I'm not sure. It might happen. So just uh, if you get bothered by it, just put your feet back way under your chair and we'll see what happens. I'm going to start off with, with a passage of Scripture out of the book of Exodus, chapter 5, in verse 2. And, and so Moses is, is before Pharaoh, and the Lord's telling him to let the people go. And it says, And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Isn't that an interesting statement? Because Moses and the Lord said, and he said, Well, who's the Lord that I should obey his voice? Can I just tell you something? That's a good question to ask yourself. Who is the Lord? Because the reality is, if Almighty God is your Lord, you will obey His voice. I mean, that's a pretty good indicator who's the boss in your life. If Adonai speaks to you and leads you, then you follow what He says. You do exactly what He says. A lot of people claim to belong to God, yet they do not hear, nor do they obey the voice of God, either from His Word or by His Spirit. We understand who we are as we submit and obey what He says. Understanding that God must be our source. Whatever our source is, that is really our God. Does that make sense to you? I mean, whatever, whatever we cannot or can, whatever I can't live without, whatever is my source, that is my God. Whoever can require my mind, my will, my emotions at its or his beck and call, that is my Lord. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? The one who you'll do anything for, the one uh, uh, that, 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 that would cause you to change course or change what you do, if it has the power over you to do that, then that becomes your source and that becomes your God. Little g, if it's not Almighty God. Your God is the source. If the government is your God, then it's your source. And the government wants to be your source, doesn't it? They want to be. They want to dis control your job. If They want to control your life. If your job or your Social Security check or your retirement check, if that controls your life, it is your God. And it's something, if money, if you make your decisions based on what money tells you to do, then that's not the right way to do it. We make our choices based on what God tells us to do. And, you know, if he says do it, then the money is, comes in second place. See, our nation, the government, is, is becoming the source for more and more people because they want to have control. And if they have the control, they become our God. Okay, it's okay to receive from the government, that's fine, as long as they're not your God. As long as they're not the one telling you your job or, or the Social Security check that comes. It's okay to receive that, but they cannot be the one that directs and calls the shots in your life. Whatever we do. I mean, our nation today, I believe, has a, has a stronger and larger slave trade than it ever has before in its history. Because people become slaves to the government, slave to receiving the, 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 the money, slave to receiving whatever it is. I mean, we, we have to understand they're not the one. We've got to decide who is our God. Is there anything more important to us than Almighty God? 
anything. Is there anything like that? You see, people are deceived into thinking that sometimes a person is their source. You know, I've heard, um, I've heard people say about their spouse, well, I couldn't live without him or without her. Really? You see, Tammy and I made this, this decision a long time ago. I'm not her source, and she's not my source. It's not my job. It's not my job to be her source of happiness, her source of joy. The Lord is the only one who can do that. And if something were to happen to me, I don't believe it's going to. I think we're going to the rapture together. But if something were to happen to me, she would be fine because I'm not her source. And the same is true, vice versa. If, 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 the Lord, if she went to see the Lord before I did, she's not my source. I don't want her to go before me. Don't get me wrong. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that's what's going to happen. But you see, she's not, she's not the one that makes me happy. It's not even her job. There's too much pressure for her to be the person who makes me happy. And if I, if, I, if, if I put that pressure on her, then we make a great mistake. It's time to make Almighty God our God. All right? A lot of the church is deceived to thinking that if people will just do their religious duty and go to church every Sunday, then, they, then that means that God is God for them. And so for that 45 minutes, then they're, they're doing the right thing. The Bible doesn't teach that. I've heard this all, ever, since, ever since I've been saved. Somebody will say, well, you know, they go to such and such a church, but it doesn't matter what church they go to as long as they go to church. The Bible doesn't teach it that way. You see, to go to church, just any old church, and they are teaching things that defy what the Bible actually says is not a good thing. You see, God is God, and we've we got to find, what does the Bible say? The Bible never teaches us that we have to be religious. It doesn't say that at all. Here's what the Bible says. The just shall live by faith. It says that four different times. Four times the scripture says the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? The just are those who made Jesus Christ the Lord of their lives and they're just because his blood has justified them and our job is to live by faith. Do you know you will never get too old to have to walk by faith with God? Isn't that an interesting thought? Sometimes we get to this place, it's like, I've already done it all. I can just coast from here on. No, no. We're going to walk by faith the only way. The scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's an interesting statement. Whatever our life has, if the ingredient of faith is not in it, then it's not, it's not going to be pleasing to God. It, without faith, it's impossible to please, please Him. The only way to live by faith is to know what God has said and to operate in it. Isn't this good so far? Because what faith will say is, you know what? I cannot see that with my eyes. I sure don't feel it in my emotions, but I will do whatever God says do because I believe the result is what He says it will be. We walk by faith. We live by faith. It's time we get real and find out what the Word says and not make the Word say what I want it to say. It's kind of like two guys were meeting for lunch one day and one guy was already there. The second guy comes in, passes his table with two women and the one, one woman looks at him and says, nine. And the guy says, whoa, that's good. She thinks I'm a nine out of ten. She goes and sits at the table and he, and he says, hey, that girl thinks I'm a nine. And his friend said, well, I hate to tell you this, but they were speaking German to one another a while ago. <laughs> so we understand we can try to make the Bible say what it doesn't say, 
But we don't need to do that. We need to find out what it says and, 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 and believe what it says, understanding that what it says is what we need to do. Many people believe the Bible says a lot of things that it never says. We want, we want to be able to define what God said. We need to let God's Word define who we are and obey what He said. As charismatic Christians, many of you have been around a long, long time, and we remember going through the charismatic renewal, and, and we remember going through a lot of things, and we sometimes have this in our mind. I just want those good old days. You ever think that? Those were fun days. They were great days. We just want the good old days. Let me read you a passage of Scripture. See what you think about this. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 10. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? In other words, why are you saying the old good old days were good? And he says, for thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Can I tell you something? God wants to move, but he, does, he is not limited and will not move the same way he did in 1970. I can just tell you that for sure. It's going to be a different thing. We need the new thing that God wants to do. It's going to take faith to do that. We can't just go back and imitate what we did in 1973 or even 1983 or 2003. The scripture says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God wants to do a new thing and he will do whatever it takes to do the new thing. We don't need the old way. We don't need the old things. We need the new thing that God wants to do. God wants to move in a way that he's never moved before. And in a way that he's always moved before. But it will require faith on someone's part. It will require somebody believing Him. We need the new birth. We need the new wine of the new covenant and live up to the new name that the Father is giving us. We need it to be new. We need a new day filled with new power. Not revert to the good old days, but to usher in this refreshing from the Lord in these last days. God wants to pour something out. We don't need to be living in the past and glorifying the past. Those were fun times and we've seen lots of miracles. But you know what? I think that's the tip of the iceberg. I think the new glory is better than the old glory. I think what God wants to do is, is always good. And we need to get away from that. Oh, I just wish we could have the good old days again. Let's have the good new days. We're here right now for a time such as this. And God wants to do something wonderful. So let me read you a passage of Scripture. This is my actual, the first actual text that I have. And you'll recognize this from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. 
And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible." And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Isn't that a great passage of scripture? Uh, you probably hear that every Christmas time. I mean, it, it, it's, it's wonderful. I'm going to look at some things, though, from this story. And I want to read another passage in just a minute. We're going to put them together. Mary was a very special young lady. And we talked about that last year at Christmas time. We talked about who she was, where she came from. Whether she was a poor, dumb girl or not, and we found out she was not. But she was a special young lady, and the scripture said that she was highly favored. Highly favored, not above women, but among women, is what it says. Highly favored. The word says in Ephesians 1 verse 6, it says that he, that God has made us accepted in the beloved. You realize this in the Greek, that is the same word as highly favored. As Mary was highly favored, you and I are highly favored because when the, it says he has made us accepted in the beloved, it's the same word as highly favored. All right, so you need to think about yourself right now. You are highly favored. Highly favored. You are highly favored. You need to get that all the way deep inside of you. Just like Mary was highly favored, you are highly favored. That ought to make everybody happy. She was willing to obey the word in order to see the results that would benefit not only her life, but everyone around her. Here the angel is speaking something to her that is supernatural. Now, number one, she has an angel. That's pretty supernatural. And, you, and we might think, well, if I saw an angel, I'd, I'd believe it too. Not necessarily. You have to be in a habit of hearing and believing the word. And the angel spoke to her, and she believed it. She was willing to believe what God said to her, even though it was impossible. The Word of God, the Bible, is more trustable, that's not a word, than the voice of an angel. God's Word in Scripture is more dependable than if an angel came and talked to you. If he said it in his word, my job then is not to try to figure it out, but to believe what he said, even if it's impossible. And by the way, most of it is impossible because that's what, how God works. He does what we cannot do. The Message Bible in verse 30 says, But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. If we believe the word... God has a surprise for us. And that surprise is that the Word will be what it says it will be. The surprise is the Word. The surprise is the result from the Word of God that will defeat Satan and it will help our life and the lives of everyone around us. Mary says, 
How can this be? She's not doubting God as Zechariah did. She is saying, well, how, how are we going to work this out? How can this happen? All right. How can the impossible results of the word come to pass in my life? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever thought, now, God, how, I don't see how this can ever come true. I remember there was a time in our married life that, that we had no source of income. We had, we, during, for some reason, different things happened. We had no source of income. A preacher friend of mine said, hey, let's go on a retreat. And I, one, this one guy was there, and, he, and he, we, we were talking, and, and uh, we talked about some things. And, he, and, and I mentioned to him, you know, we were in this predicament. And he says to me, almost flippantly, he said, oh, it'll be okay. God's going to take care of you. And that was fine and it was true, but I wanted to say, you don't even know because you've never been where I am. You know, it's like you know, when somebody says, how you doing? Well, I'm going through this. Oh, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. It'll be fine. Well, if they hadn't been through it, they don't really know. But you do know because she knew it was going to come to pass because she believed the word. We have to ask this question. How can the supernatural be released in me or through me? God made a promise. How does that happen? How does it, how does it take place? Me? I mean, how can I get the results that the Word is promising me? How do I get it to manifest itself? I mean, Tammy knows a lot of these stories. In that same season of our lives, the Lord, we were, we were at a place and there was, they took up an offering and we understood by the Spirit it was a supernatural offering. We didn't have any money I mean, none. We were going to the car, and I asked this friend that I saw on the way out, I said, do you have a dollar that I can borrow? And they said, yeah. So I took the dollar, went back in, and I put it in that offering. By the time the sun set, we had $1,000. Not because we're smart, but because he is true to his word, and only he can make the supernatural happen. But we have to obey the voice of the Spirit, because he told us it was supernatural. And I knew I had to give money in that particular offering. And by the time, and I didn't, I wasn't, nobody said if you give a dollar, you get a thousand. Nobody said that, but the Spirit of God told us it was supernatural and to participate. I mean, I was going to give a button off my shirt if I had to. I didn't know what to do. But I saw my friend, I got a dollar. So people have been asking this question how do I get these supernatural results in my life? How does that happen? Man, at Christmas time, we need some supernatural results, don't we? Here's the answer. Here's the beginning of the answer. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. When she said, how can this be? The angel said, the Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of it. He is the answer. The Holy Spirit is the doer of the Word of God. In Genesis chapter 1, the, the Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. What was He doing? He's waiting for the Word. He was waiting for the Father to say, Light be, and then light could become. He was waiting for God. He, he's the doer. He's the doer of the Word. He makes it happen. If we're going to have the supernatural in our lives, we must have the power of the Holy Spirit if we're ever to see the Word of God come to pass in our lives and in our world today. And the world needs to see a manifestation of the Word. The angel said, and this is when I read this passage of Scripture some time back, th this word stood out to me. I read it and it said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. 
You ever thought about the Spirit overshadowing? We're going to talk about that for a little bit tonight. One of the most powerful statements in the whole Bible is when Mary said, Be it unto me according to thy word. I'm, that is powerful, don't you think? Here the Holy she is not married. She is somewhere between the age of 12 and 15. She is espoused to this guy named Joseph. Joseph is probably in his 30s. This is an arranged marriage between their parents. They didn't go on a bunch of dates to figure it out. Their parents orchestrated this thing. She's a teenage girl. The Holy Spirit or the angel comes and says, guess what? I've got good news for you, Mary. You're going to have a baby. And, she, you know, I, I guess, I mean, my, my thought would have been, well, I'm not married. And this is going to be bad. Because people want to talk bad about us. People are going to say bad things to me, bad things about me. My parents are going to be mad. I mean, everybody, this is, this, this is not a good thing if you're thinking in the flesh. But he told her that this baby was going to be the son of David. And he's basically saying he is the Messiah. And she says, be it unto me according to what you just said. According to the word. The little phrase be it is, is the Greek word genomai, and it means to cause to be. We get the English word generate from genomai. It means to, to become, to come into being, to come into existence, to begin to be, to come to pass, to happen, to arise, to appear in history, to come upon the stage, to be made. Here's what she said. She says, she says let it be made according to the word. Let this thing come into history according to what you just said, according to the Word of God. I mean, here she's saying, I want this thing to be generated based on the Word of God. All right? It's the same word you find when these, these two blind guys came to Jesus. And they said, they're saying, Son of David, Son of David, he let us see. And Jesus looks at these two guys and he says, Do you believe that I can do this? And they said, Yes. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, it can be generated. According to your faith, it can come into existence. When he said, do you believe I can do it? They said, we believe it. Okay, if you believe it, it's yours. Jesus basically said, you will become what you believe. If you really believe it, that's what you're going to become. If you don't believe what the scripture says, that's belief in something, right? That's belief in the negative. You're going to get what you believe for. That's what Jesus is saying. It's the same thing. According to your faith, it comes into being. According to your faith, it is created. So there's a connection. The Holy Spirit goes into action when we believe what God said. That's, you know, that's when he goes, well, here's what I want to happen. I want to be sitting on the couch watching Bonanza and not thinking about anything and the Holy Spirit do it. But that's not what faith is about. I don't really like to watch Bonanza, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. It's when I believe. The man came to Jesus in, in, in John chapter 3, the end of the chapter. His boy was dying. He said, Jesus, come and my boy will be healed. And Jesus is my paraphrase. Jesus said, I'm not coming. He's healed now. And the Bible says the man believed when Jesus spoke the word. 
He went and took him a whole day to get home. And you know, the devil was coming saying, he's, he's probably dead by now. You know that didn't work. I can't believe you're thinking that kind of thing. The servants met him and said, don't, don't be concerned anymore. Your son is alive. And he said, when did he begin to amend? And it was at exactly the same time that Jesus said, your son is healed. When we believe what God said, the, 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 the one who acts on the word, the Holy Spirit, now produces what the Bible said. Okay, So we can only have faith in the Bible that we know. If I don't know enough, I need to get in it. We need to begin to study, find out what it says. The God kind of faith will move the Holy Spirit into action. That kind of faith can only come from the Word of God. It's good so far, huh? We're just the second passage. This is from Acts chapter two, Acts chapter five, beginning of verse twelve. It says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself unto them, but the people magnified them, and believers the more were added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets, and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There's that word, overshadow. You know the story. I mean, this is something. The Holy Spirit's working, and so they start laying people out in the street. And when Peter's shadow came, there was an overshadow of Peter's shadow. And people were healed, and they were delivered just because they're laying in the street when Peter walks by. Now, there's an act of faith. You've got to be an, there's an act of faith to lay your bed in the middle of the street so somebody's shadow's going to fall on you. But these people were doing that. I mean, it says, it, it, it talks about it. Here's a man, Peter. He's, he's received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he's walking in the power of the Spirit. And his shadow, when his shadow overshadowed them, the power was released and the manifestation of the Word resulted. In Acts chapter 16, we'll read the scripture later. The scripture tells us that God confirms, it says, and God was with them confirming the Word with signs following. When the Word is spoken, and believed God confirms His Word with signs that follow. What that says is, is that the Holy Spirit gets on those words. When you speak what God said and you believe in your heart, the Holy Spirit will do something. All right? Jesus said that would happen if we would speak the Word. That's the New Testament program. In Luke chapter 1, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and there was a manifest, manifestation of the Word. Here in Acts chapter 5, the Holy Spirit... Through Peter, there's an overshadow, and people are healed, and there's a manifestation of the Word. This word overshadow means this. It means to cast a shade upon. It means to envelop in a haze of brilliancy. It means to invest with preternatural influence. Now, how's that? The word, the word here, invest, means to furnish with power authority, to grant someone control or authority. So it says that... that, that that there is there's a, 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 a furnishment of control with preternatural influence. The word preternatural means existing outside of nature, exceeding what is natural or regular, extraordinary, inexplicable by ordinary means. So here's what it says. It says, when the Holy Spirit overshadows us, He furnishes us with the power that exists outside of nature, power that is extraordinary. That's what we want, right? We want this power 
of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit coming to us and working through us gives us the authority that is inexplicable by ordinary means. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. He came upon Peter in Acts chapter 2. Now this same overshadow is working through Peter to heal and deliver people in his everyday life. This is, I'm going somewhere with this. In Mark 11, verse 22, you know this verse, when Jesus, he cursed the fig tree and it died. And, and Peter comes and says, wow, Jesus, the fig tree died. Remember what Jesus said to him? The first statement, this is in King James, Mark eleven twenty-two, And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Now I'm going to tell you what it actually says. In the Greek, it doesn't say pistis, which is faith. Pistis in theos, which would be faith in God. It literally says pistis theau. Faith in God would be entheos. Theau is a different word. It's the word God, but it's a possessive word. It says God's, G-O-D apostrophe S, God's faith. Have God's faith. Have faith of God is what it says. We understand the scripture says that the, the apostle said, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith from his word that we operate in. We simply release it through our words. All right. So this faith of God, the faith of God calls things that are not as though they are. The faith of God calls in the replacement of anything that contradicts the word. The faith of God alters the world in which we live in order to bring to naught the things that are in favor of the things that are not. So that God's purpose can be made manifest in the world. That's how we're supposed to be. When the Bible says that the just shall live by faith, that's what it's talking about. Excuse me. So, that's what it's talking about. So let's think about some stories in the Bible. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Here she is. She, burst, she fights her way through the crowd. She touches the hem of his garment. She, when she touches his garment, Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me? They said, everybody's touching you. He said, nope, somebody touched me in a special way and, and gets the woman's attention. And she was healed when she touched the hem of his garment. Let me ask you a question. Who do you identify in that, with in that story? I think sometimes we're identifying with the wrong one. Who do you identify with? Another story. A sinful woman came to Jesus. He's having dinner, and she washes his feet with her tears, pours perfume on his feet. Jesus looks at her, and he said, my paraphrase, Honey, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has made you whole. Who do you identify with in that story? How about this one? We just read in Acts that Peter walks down the street. His shadow is, is touching people, the overshadow, and they're being healed. Who do you identify with? As believers, who are we supposed to be identifying with? Here's, here's what religion has taught us. We will always be the woman with the issue of blood. When Jesus said, the things I do, you'll do. We've always been taught that we're the sinful woman crying at Jesus' feet. We've always been taught that we're the ones on the stretcher that Peter's shadow is overshadowing. And that's who we identify with because the devil has worked very hard to make you believe that you are the sick one all the time. This is getting good, huh? Yes, we need, we need the Lord to deliver us. We need the Lord to make us well. 
We do not need to be the sick one for the rest of our lives. We don't need to be the infirmed one for the rest of our lives. We need to be the filled one that the shadow, the overshadow, can fall in somebody else's life and they can be rescued. We need to learn to identify the right way. People say, yeah, yeah, but Randy, that's Jesus and that's Peter. Those kinds of things don't happen through regular people today. Jesus said in John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. We're waiting for Benny Hinn. Or we're waiting for another Catherine Kuhlman. No, here's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for you and me to begin to identify with the power of the Holy Spirit. To begin to minister to people. Minister. Peter didn't even know who the people were. But he was willing to let the shadow fall on them. Paul is praying over handkerchiefs. And they're sending them out. And demons come flying out of people when they touch them with this handkerchief. We need to begin to identify with the power of the Holy Spirit every single time. Jesus said in Matthew, in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. It doesn't say, and these signs shall follow only the apostles, and when the last one dies, they're done. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. Are you a believer? What are we supposed to be doing? Casting out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Not if they're brave enough to do it. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. It literally says they shall remove serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is talking about believers, you and me. We must get healed and delivered. But we must we get healed and delivered so we can help others get healed and delivered. It's not up to the preacher to do that. It's up to the believers to do that. You and I, that's, that's a part of our new DNA. It's time to get out of the infirmary, back to the firing lines, so we can reach others who are in need of the gospel message of hope. God will confirm the word with signs following. He will do what He said we would do. I mean, the reason the world ignores the church these days is because she's void of power. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.20, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Power, the kingdom of God, is not just talking about it. There are demonstrations of power. Everybody has their little black book. The Muslims have a little black book. The Buddhists have a little black book. What is the difference between our little black book and theirs? Our, ours contains the living word. <laughs> And it contains the manifestation of the promises of the Holy Spirit if we will operate in them. 1 Corinthians 2, 2, 2 verse 4 says, Paul said, In my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. The church, the Bible studies need to return to a place of power. Where there's this manifestation of power. Not religion. It, see, churches have replaced the power with the show. With our, with our theology, we've tried to explain away our powerlessness with theologies that are just man-made. We must have this overshadow of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. Have you ever had this conversation? <laughs> I wish they'd do something about this mess. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just, I, I'll be glad when they find a cure. 
I wish they could do something about the violence, the riots, the abortions, the, the teen pregnancies. I wish they could do something. They, they, I wish they. Who are they? We are they. We are the ones who have authority. The church should be equipped with the power to do something about the, 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 the travail of hurting humanity. That ought to be in our hearts. That ought to be what's going on inside of us. The Bible says more than once, Jesus was moved with compassion and healed their sick. He was moved with compassion. He wanted them. He preached I love this. You read in, in Mark chapter 1, it says Jesus preached and he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If something is at hand, it's within your grasp. You can reach out and take it. Jesus was saying, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. And then what did he do after he said that? He healed the sick. He delivered the oppressed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We recognize our job, why we're here, is that we are the they, that we've already grasped this kingdom, and we need to be sharing with other people. Acts 1.8, you know this verse, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We need to identify and realize that wasn't just about them. It's about us. There needs to be that power. The Holy Ghost and the power are synonymous. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all the oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's what the anointing does. It heals. It delivers. That's what the power is for. We're to be witnesses of, of what he's done. What is a witness? A witness is one who's able to offer proof. Folks, there's no proof without the power. There's no argument against the overshadow. If you've ever seen anybody be supernaturally healed, it's tough to argue with that one when they are absolutely set free, absolutely healed. Maybe that's been you, but now there's something that needs to happen. We need to have that. The purpose of the church is to offer proof of the resurrection. That's our job. Offer the proof of it. Jesus is alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the proof is when we preach the gospel and then God confirms it with signs and wonders. He is still the same. He will still heal, deliver, and save. We are His body. He will now do all those things He did in the gospels through His body. Our job is not to sit idly by and allow the devil to steal this nation and our children, our grandchildren, our freedoms, our confidence in the Word, we must embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and allow the overshadow to be released through us to get to the hurting masses around us. Isn't this fun? The word witness, the Greek word is martus. We get the word martyr from that word. It means willing to be willing to lay down my life for His kingdom. Be willing to lay it down, willing to stand for Him no matter what. I mean, he's talking about a passionate believers who will make a difference in the world around them. I'm going to try to get finished here in just a couple of minutes. The book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. This is from the Amplified. This is an interesting passage. 
the prophet's asking a question. If one carries in the skirt of his garment flesh that is holy, talk about it. He's got his, in his apron, he has, he has a holy offering. It's, been, it's offered to God. If he has it in his skirt and, he has, and he's going to offer it to God, and, 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 with, and then it says, and with his skirt or the flaps of his garment, he touches bread or pottage or wine or oil or any kind of food. Does what he touches become holy, dedicated to God's service exclusively? The priest answered, no, holiness is not infectious. Here's what he's saying. If, I, if I'm carrying a, a holy offering and then I touch, because I have this holy offering, then I touch something that's not been consecrated yet, does the fact I'm holding a holy conference, a holy, a holy gift to God, does that make these other things holy? The answer was no. Holiness, it says, is not infectious. Then he said, Haggai, if one who is ceremonially unclean because he has come in contact with a dead body should touch any of these articles of food, shall it become ceremonially unclean? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Unholiness is infectious. So here he's asking him the question. If I'm carrying stuff that's, 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 that's offered to God and it touches stuff, does it make that stuff clean? They said no. If I'm carrying something that's not and it touches something, uh, some of that stuff, does it make it clean? And they said no. So they're saying if the holy thing touches the unholy thing, it doesn't make it holy. If the unholy thing touches the holy, it makes it unholy. He says holiness is not infectious, but unholiness is. That's, 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 interesting. that's interesting. In other words, if we're going to reach the world on purpose, we must take what is holy to them. We must take it because holiness is, is, is not infectious. We have to take it to them. It doesn't just happen around them. They can't just get it by accident. They get it on purpose. Anybody can be infected by the world all the time. If you just listen to the world and are in the world, it takes on purpose choosing holiness, choosing righteousness, choosing the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, the, the, they're not going to get it without an effort on our part by believing what God said. We must come to the place that we're not impacted by the infected system of the world so we can operate in God's power. And that's an interesting thought. Isaiah 55, 1, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come by and eat. Yea, come by wine and milk without money, without price. He's talking about buying something without money, but there still has to be an exchange. There's got to be some exchange. In other words, if we're going to operate in the currency of the kingdom's power and have this overshadow, we must make an exchange. Our weakness for His power, our inability for His ability, our limitations for His unlimited resource. So what do we exchange? I'm almost done. Psalm 63, 1 and 2. O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. Here's how it's going to happen. This is the exchange. We must be thirsty for Him. We must be hungry for Him. More than anything else, religion is powerless. Relationship with Him is supernatural. We must walk in love. No matter how it feels, no matter what it takes, we must walk by faith in what God has said. We've got to love God, love His commands. We've got to love people no matter what they've done. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, 
Take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. I am the seed. You are the seed. We sow our lives into God. If we're going to be effective to make change, we must be willing to die to ourselves. Die to who we are and live to him. One more passage. Zechariah 10, verse 1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. I believe it's time for it to rain. I believe it's time that God wants to pour out His Spirit like we've never seen so, so that there's an end-time harvest, an end-time refreshing. I believe it's a time for the latter rain, but we must ask God for the rain. We must make an exchange so His power flows through us. The world is waiting in pain for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's what we're supposed to be. As we're in the Christmas season, we have the opportunity right now to talk to people about Jesus more than any other time of the year because that's the conversation. Now, you know, we can turn it to Jesus. Theirs is about the, the presence and the tree, but we can make it's an easy transition. We want to allow the power to flow. We want to learn to identify with Jesus in power. Identify with Peter in power. Identify with the Apostle Paul in power. Identify with them because God, God has called us. He's healing us. He's setting us free. We're already there. We need, though, now to allow Him not just to flow to us, but through us to reach people all around us. We need to have this overflow. We've got to get past ourselves, and this overflow will emanate through us to those around us. We need to say, be it unto me according to thy word and operate in power. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I thank you for power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want us in this room to say, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Lord, for too long, the church has slumbered. For too long, we've been satisfied with little to no results. Lord, we want to have power from the Holy Spirit that accomplishes the will and the plan of God. And we say, be it unto me according to thy word. In Jesus' name.